0: The Beatles are a pretty nice band, and we've got a lot to say. The Beatles are a pretty nice band, talk about them day after day. But we also love the outfield a lot, so are these songs better than your love? The Beatles are a pretty nice band, someday we'll judge if they're fine, oh yeah, someday we'll judge if they're fine.
1: Eleanor Rigby. Don't mind me, folks, I'm just staring at lowly people. As one does. (laughs)
0: Uh,
1: This is a more talented relative of yesterday, in my humble opinion. A profound piece of work. It's about the erosion of religion. No one was saved. And a tragedy that befalls some of us who lose touch with people over the years and become isolated and watch Fox News, probably. You know exactly the kind of people Paul is singing about. At least I do.
0: Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, it is a huge piece of work. I mean, you can really point to the song as a major influence on Baroque pop music. Like, maybe it's the zenith of Baroque pop music. I, you know, I'll leave that to others to decide. Um, Paul is really trying to say something here that's deeper than the lighter pop there that he's mostly written about in the past. But it being an orchestral song, it almost feels to me like Beatles for Squares. Mm-hmm. Like, I can picture the parents of a 60s teenager enjoying this song, which automatically makes it uncool. Like, your parents, and when you're a teenager, your parents are not supposed to like right. your, pop, your pop
1: music. And well, I can
0: totally like, like, hey, you know, like, I really like
1: this one. John didn't refer to this song, wasn't referring to this song, but he would say that Paul was doing his granny shit.
0: Yeah, <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> for For grandmothers. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Okay. Well, I see what you're saying. Um, so I, I thought it was interesting that one of the violinists was is named Sydney Sachs. Sydney uh, defied the odds on that one. Uh, you no, could have.
0: You could have been uh, you know put in a box and decided not to.
1: That's right. Nominative determinism is not the case here. And, of course, one of the viola players, Stephen Shingles. Stephen Shingles. I thought it was interesting. British
0: names are very strange.
1: Very strange. Paul came up with a song, like b- most songs, in the basement of Jane Asher's family home in, on Wimpole Street in London.
0: Uh, I, I will, can I point out that I have pinned this house on my Google Maps? Okay. Great. So yeah. So I next time I find myself in jolly old London, I'm gonna walk by Jane Asher's house. Hey, we hey Paul. Paul! Hey Paul! Are you still there? Hey. You still writing songs about uh, Jane Asher there? Uh, Hey. In her talking smack about Jane
1: Asher in her house. Not going well. Not going yeah. How's well. that? How'd that go? Uh. Uh. Uh, hey, write a song about this, and I throw a rock. <laughs>
0: we always go back to the Beatles as New Yorkers thing.
1: Well, uh, in this case, we were the interloping New Yorkers. Fair enough. We're the hey, ugly, uh, ugly Americans. Hey, this is an ugly stereotype. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so as we yesterday, Paul didn't have the lyrics at first. He co- he goes this time though. He he goes by Donovan's house who also lived in London, Donovan of Sunshine, Superman fame, and Mellow Yellow. Season Uh, of the Witch. It is the Season of the Witch. And uh, Paul's like, but this is Donovan talking. One day, I was on my own in the pad, running through a few tunes on my Uhur tape recorder. The doorbell rang. It was Paul on his own. We jammed a bit. He played me a tune about a strange chap called Ola Natanji. Ola Tanji blowing his mind in the dark with a pipe full of clay. No one can say. Thankfully, the lyrics changed. Yeah. Um, at some point, Paul picked up on, uh, picks up his rice at the church, like, ah, the idea of picking up rice at a church. And then he got, he, w- he went from there. Uh, he tells a story in the lyrics, 1956 to present, about how he used to know a lot of old ladies from his Bob-a-job week uh, with the Boy Scouts. Um, he also also settled on a name Miss Daisy Hawkins, but rejected it for its lack of realism. He took the name Rigby from a shop in Bristol, Rigby and Evans Limited, Wine and Spirit Shippers. The name Eleanor was after Eleanor Run, the, who played the female lead in Help. And then later, it turned out, there was this In the Walton Cemetery, there's a tombstone reading Eleanor Rigby. And that cemetery is where John and Paul used to hang out. And it's right near where John and Paul first met. Strange. Mm. So uh, it was a team effort. Uh, Ringo came up, suggested the name of Father McKenzie. should darn his socks in the night. Ah, look at all the pe- lonely people was coined by George Harrison. And uh, Pete Shotten, John's childhood friend, was the one who suggested that Elder Rigby and Father Mackenzie unite through death at the end. You know, kind of like God Seinfeld when the characters, all the storylines combine at the end. Right. Pete Shotten was ahead of his time. Shotten did it first. Shotten was first. Shotten did it. Um, John Lennon was upset because Paul asked help from Mal Evans and Neil Aspinall and, you know, er, seemingly everyone but him. And, you know, he was his songwriting partner. So John bitterly said he wrote about 70% of the words to "Eleanor Rigby, although nobody else (laughs) uh, believes him. So... Uh, it, is,
0: it is strange, though, right? Like, that you wouldn't go to John, of all people?
1: Yeah, like, he it was some arrogance. Uh, John interpreted it as arrogance. Like, oh, I could team up with anybody and come up with a song.
0: I, get, I mean...
1: Like I Donovan, I, or...
0: <laughs> sure, but, like, I don't know... <laughs> George is very talented as well, you know, as well. I mean, Ringo is not a great lyricist, but, you know, he's, he certainly is creative. Well, they certainly did
1: respect George at the time. Not really. Well, no, you're,
0: you're, you're right. You're you're absolutely right about that. But I think, uh, I I don't know. There's also, you know, there's a bit of competitiveness between Mm -hmm. the the two, the two uh, mates here. Yes, there
1: is. So. John didn't care for one bit. Uh, around this time John was losing his grip as being the leader of the group you know he was sure. contributing less he was only sleeping as it were spoiler uh, alert oh hey recording began on April 28th 1966 was scored by George Martin inspired by the music written by Bernard Herrmann for the Truffaut film Fahrenheit 451 at least that's recorded to Beals Bible although other people claim it sounds like uh Bernard Herrmann's score for Psycho by uh, Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock. In any event, the violin backing was Paul's idea. Jane Asher had turned him on to Vivaldi, according to John Lennon, and it was very good. The violin's straight out of Vivaldi. I can't take any credit for that at all. So at least John gives him credit for that. Um, The part that he probably also liked the least.
0: (laughs) Probably. (laughs) His granny shit.
1: Paul wanted the strings to sound really biting. Uh, Jeff Embrick recorded the put the mics right up against the uh, against the instruments. Um, He closed mic the instruments, which was a new concept. The musicians were horrified, according to Jeff Embrick. One of them gave me a look of disdain, rolled his eyes to the ceiling, and said under his breath, "You can't do that, you know." We did one take with the mics fairly close, then on the next take I decided to get extreme and move the mics in really close, just an inch or so away from each instrument. It was a fine line. Even without peering through the control glass, I could hear the sound of the eight musicians sliding their chairs back before every take. So I had to keep (laughs) going down there and move the mics back in closer after every take. It was comic, really. Finally, George Martin told them pointedly to stop moving off mic. In the end, the players did a good job.
0: Yeah, on the most recent revolver reissue, it's like it's actually shocking how close you feel to the strings. Like I almost feel like I'm playing a violin. It's that close. So like bravo to Jeff Emmerich for, you know mm-hmm. being able to accomplish that and, you know, fight the musicians to get what he wants. <laughs> and for Paul to have that kind of vision too. I mean, the, it's nice to see, again, like we've pointed this out before, it's nice to, to see like, how these engineers and these musicians are working in concert to, you know, break the rules of what recording is.
1: Absolutely. I love team efforts. I really do. Um, There's
0: no I in team. Wow. <laughs> have,
1: have, have you heard that one before? No. Oh. Yes. Wow. That's right, Skip.
0: (laughs) Right at you, Chief.
1: (laughs) The U.S. single peaked at number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and Cashbox charts. This has been attributed to the downbeat subject matter and also the fallout from John Lennon's more popular Jesus comments. So, Ray Davies of the Kinks, he reviewed every track of Revolver uh, for a magazine. And uh, he, it seems like you and him would get along, because he said, I bought a Hayden LP the other day, or Hayden LP, H-A-Y-D-L. Hayden. Hayden, thank you. I bought a Hayden LP the other day, and this sounds just like it. It's all sort of quartet stuff, and it sounds like they're out to please music teachers in primary schools. Hmm. I can imagine John saying, I'm going to write this for my old school mistress. Still, it's very commercial. Okay, so he's mistaken. Paul for John, but otherwise, okay, fine, fair uh so the reason why Elder Rigby" was a single, even though it's on the album, and usually the Beatles would have singles that are with now on the album tracks, they didn't want other people uh to record covers and as singles and get uh get famous on their own way, you know they wanted to for once you know i don't know they they put eleanor ruby was so strong apparently that they they wanted they didn't want cover versions to be uh, um, more popular yeah. than their version or something like that
0: they didn't want the cover versions to be more popular than the jeez i mean the beatles sorry
1: yeah no because usually on an album track that wasn't a single that other bands would be like, oh okay i'll take that and then they, they chart, and apparently the Beatles were sick of that, even though they made money off of it, at least John Ball did. And in one case, George, who ended up having a problem with the Hollies. so <laughs>
0: Famously, yes.
1: Yes. So, what are you going to do? In all, there were 200 cover versions of Elder Rigby. Ray Charles recorded a version that was released in 1968. It peaked at number 35. John Lennon highlighted it as a fantastic cover. I Aretha mean, Franklin's version charted at number 17. Uh, Paul re recorded Forgive My Regards to Broad Street, which I still have not seen.
0: Oh, you. it's an excellent film.
1: <laughs> the way, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Godfather 3, right? Somebody once tried to convince me to watch Godfather 3 for the same reasons.
0: Oh, yeah. I watched that in film class. Huh, yeah. Okay. Well, we watched one and two, so you know you gotta watch the third. At that point, you have, you, you don't have to. You don't I have haven't. to. Well, you know, there, sometimes it's it's uh, good to know what you
1: don't like. Okay. Yeah, I guess it'll film class like okay. Why was that terrible?
0: And yeah, then, like what? It, what's wrong with this one?
1: Yeah. Outside of uh, I thought I was out, but they pulled me back in. That's in Godfather Street, but. But oh, I, I know that once it, yeah. They totally hey, I'm John Lennon. I want to hold your head. Uh, um, in 2000, Mojo ranked would be at number 19 on the magazine's list of the top 100, the 100 great songs of all time. All freaking time. All freaking time. All freaking time. Mm-hmm. Lydia. In BBC Radio 2's Millennium Poll, listeners voted as one of the top 100 songs of the 20th century. It ranked at number 137 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time in 2004, but it went all the way down to number 243 on the 2021 revised list. (gasps) Mm. Whoa. What happened? Poor Eleanor. I know. She died for nothing. Uh the song was not even three Grammys in 66 and one for best contemporary rock and roll vocal performance male like it's a good job rock and pump. roll Josie' scale I'm going to of course give this a yeah
0: yeah now I'm struggling with this one and I, pro- I mean I shouldn't but I am I think it's a great song. Eleanor Rigby is a great song. It's a mammoth piece of work. It's so influential. It's you know easily one of the most you know probably one of the strongest works that the Beatles ever created.
1: But I don't want to. Okay, all right. So oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're still going.
0: So so you're saying it's a yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to listen to it. Like if I'm sitting here listening to Revolver, I hit
1: skip. That's crazy to me. I mean, I understand. Like um, sometimes, when you're in a good mood, you don't want to listen to a sad song. Sure. Um, but this, I think, this song transcends sadness. It's it's a profound. It's profound, like I said. And I don't know, like as you talked about, you know, the the string, the the sound of the strings being so close, and yeah, it's 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 powerful um oh, oh it, absolutely it, it rocks my socks in a non-rock and roll uh way to me so i i would never i would certainly never skip it you know um like it's not even slow either you know it's um so i i think it's uh, i i don't understand <laughs> you know i i guess here's the thing it's like
0: how am I going to judge this? It's like, we're, I'm comparing this to, you know...
1: <laughs> your love by the You're outfield. by the outfields. You would rather listen to your love by the outfield than the song.
0: Yes, I would. I would all day, every day. I listen to your I,
1: love by the outfield more. <laughs> I love your love, of course. Who doesn't? It's just... just ah, I, I, I don't see I don't, it.
0: Yeah, I, man, I'm... I'm not doing, I'm man, I'm not going to do it to be hot takey or anything, no. But no. I just, I, uh, I'm giving Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles a
1: Josie. <laughs> she died for nothing, man. <laughs> she
0: t- you know, again, I think it's a great song. It's, it's a huge, it's a mammoth Beatles song. It's, it's one of the biggest songs of all time for a reason. But I certainly just do not want to listen to it in my spare time.
1: Grammy award-winning vocal, the the straight, the unprecedented sound of strings. And hey,
0: man, you know Jeff Emmerich is a he's a he's a he's a genius. Paul McCartney, he's a genius.
1: Psycho, psycho influenced strings. I'm do gonna do go do with do "Your do. Love"
0: by The Outfield. Wow. Okay. Please, please don't send me letters.
1: <laughs> yeah, send him DMs, emails.
0: Please don't burn down text. my DMs.
1: Pin, pin uh, Google, pin Google Map pinned uh, his. Uh, You're gonna dox his, me now? <laughs> house. I could if I tried. I know what state you live in, but other than that, I don't that. I'm at a loss. Oh man.
0: So. The Beatles are a pretty nice band. Talk about them day after day.